Welcome back to Here's the Deal with Kylie. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am joined by fellow nutrition coach, David Mathis. David is a coach on Team BioLane, the team ran by Lane Norton, who has been my long-term nutrition coach, and I refer to Lane as the grandfather of reverse dieting. So you can imagine that in this podcast, David and I talk in depth about reverse dieting, which I'm going to come back to in a second. But the beginning of this podcast starts with him, David, telling us his story about his eating disorder. So we talk about mental health. You guys know we talk a lot about mental health on the podcast. He talks about his experience with the eating disorder. And yes, men deal with eating disorders just like women do. So it's not like this mental health disorder you know, doesn't affect everyone. It absolutely does. We have that discussion of how do you know if you are in a position to where you need therapy or you need nutrition coaching? So we describe the differences between the two and help you see, okay, do I need a coach or a therapist? Chances are you need both. (laughs) You know me, I think you need both. Now, after David gets really vulnerable with this, I am so grateful for his ability to to be open and and express what that time was like, you pretty much get a coaching session. We talk about what works for you, why you need to reverse diet, how does your body work, and why that first reverse diet can be a little bit challenging, but because he educates you as to what is going on with your body, you're going to be more likely to buy in and go through the process remembering that you want long-term success. You're not just focused on the short-term. So David offers up several helpful analogies. You are going to feel so informed after listening to this episode. Make sure you give David a follow on social media. I've got his links all posted in the show notes. It's Coach David Mathis. Enjoy the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Here's the Deal, everyone. I am very excited today because I am talking with a fellow nutrition coach, David Mathis, and he works with Lane Norton on Team BioLane, and he has actually been with Lane the longest. Um, I met David at a seminar in Mm -hmm. Florida that you guys were putting on. Oh, yeah, I was in Miami that you guys were putting on and it was about reverse dieting. And this was, I think that was in 2016. Um, no, I think it was actually that seminar, I think was January of 18. I think you're right. 18. Yeah. Yes, you are right. So, I mean, that's how I know you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do in the nutrition industry? Yeah, sure. Um, this is always, this is always that tricky question. Like, what do I say? What do I say? Well, anyways, um, 
So yeah, like, like you said, I'm an online strength and physique coach. Um, I have a master's in exercise science from the University of South Florida, um, where I studied under Dr. Bill Campbell, uh, Dr. Sam Buckner, um, some really great researchers and great minds um, that are very uh, physique focused and strength and performance focused. Uh, I was an army combat medic for four years. Um, I served a tour over in Iraq in 2010 and 11. Um, I wrote a book last year during COVID uh, called A Shell of Myself that kind of goes through my life journey and some of the ups and downs struggles I had with depression, OCD, and, uh, an eating disorder that nearly killed me, um, and kind of how I overcame all that, you know, went back to school, re-educated myself to put myself in a position where I am now. Um, happily married to my wife, Amber. We are expecting our baby girl in about 10 days, so that's that's kind of the big thing going on right now. Um, and yeah, other than that, I mean, just a, just a guy who loves working out and shooting bows and just a pretty, pretty wholesome uh, American guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's honestly why I um, am drawn to you. I feel like I can trust you. Um, in our industry, you know, there's a lot of shiny objects and consumers have to be really smart about who they choose to work with. And I forgot that you have that advanced degree in nutrition. Yeah. And I didn't realize you, that was under Bill Campbell. Yeah. So uh, when I met you, I hadn't, um, I was, I had applied for grad school. So when I got out of the army, um, like I said, I'm, I'm going to be 37 in a couple months. Um, I was kind of one of those late guys. I got, I had my college degree before I went into the army. But when I got out, um, I was a combat medic in the army. So when I got out, I knew I wanted to kind of pursue something in the health field and just training and nutrition and sports and stuff like that's been my life since I was a kid. And um, so I started doing the prereqs. I used my GI Bill to start doing the prereqs um, to, to apply for a grad program. And while I was looking around to different graduate school programs like University of Georgia, University of Florida, some of these other ones, um, I actually got turned on to a video of a now good friend of mine, Lauren Conlin, um, where she was presenting a, a study she did at the ISSN conference, which is in Clearwater almost every year. And that's where I first found out about USF and Bill Campbell. And it's like right in my backyard and how good of a program this is. And uh, so I just reached out to Bill and I was like, this is my situation. This is what I've gone through. This is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. Like, what do I need to do to be a part of your program? And I mean, I'm not going to lie. My undergrad grades were not the best. I did not really care. Like I was just trying to get through. Right. Um, but my, my prereqs were all awesome. Like all A's, everything like that, because I was focused. I, I knew what I wanted to do at that point. Um, and you know, Bill was, if anybody knows Bill, he, he gets back to you right away. He's very, very personable. And he's like, Hey, why don't you come in? We'll talk and stuff. And so I went and talked to him. Um, it was a little too late to apply for the upcoming class, but um, he let me volunteer in the lab for a year. So I got to, you know, before I even started with grad school, before I even applied, I got to get hands-on with research and helping out with research, um, you know, uh, supervising people in the lab while they're conducting the experiments and stuff like that. And I applied, I got in, I got accepted. And then um, in between that process is where I met Lane through Bill Campbell. 
because I told Bill about how Lane's content had really helped me kind of come out of a dark period and really understand more about nutrition and, and training in general. Mm-hmm. Got connected with Lane. Um, you know, I just, I just asked him like, Hey, can I buy you a beer sometime? Talk, talk about what my plans are, what I want to do. And he told me to come over to the house the next day and we met and we talked and he's like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? I was like, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound cocky, but I want to do what you do, but better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I literally said that to him and he just started laughing because he said that same thing pretty much to Dr. Joe Klumzeski back in the day. Uh-huh. Dr. Joe was his first coach, like when he was 18 years old. And um, he's like, listen, I need some help around here, help kind of teach you and mentor you and everything. And so that's how kind of how it started. And then it evolved and grad school started. I started, you know, taking on more clients. I started coaching a lot of people for free mm-hmm. you know, off the bat. And then gradually started charging a little bit, kind of getting a portfolio built up. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are, what, three and a half, almost four years later. And doing this full time and uh, just loving it. Absolutely loving it. So anyone who's listening to this, um, I know there's a handful of fellow nutrition coaches or aspiring nutrition coaches. I honestly think the way you did it is, and I've done it is the best way. Like you have to get some clients and oftentimes they're going to be your friends are going to be your family. You're going to do it for free. Then you get some experience. You can show some testimonials, some before and afters or transformations then you can start charging and a little bit more and a little bit more. I think, I think what people are, um, and this isn't a slight to any of the younger generation listening or anything, but I think that there's been a very big divide from like your generation, my generation to now where people are not willing to give first before they receive. And, you know, I can remember during college, you know, I, free internships, you know, unpaid internships, that's what I started with Lane with. I mean, I, I was telling you off, like I worked with him for a year before he even started, was able to pay me and stuff. And, but that sort of stuff's so invaluable. I learned so much, not only about coaching and going over clients and case studies and stuff like that. Um, you learn about the business of coaching as well. You learn about the marketing, you learn about the bookkeeping, you learn about this, that, everything. There's so much that goes into this. And you know, somebody might look at me or you and be like, oh, I'll be there in a year. <laughs> no, no, you won't. But that's okay because yeah. I actually made a post the other day and it kind of ties all into this where the process is the point. Uh-huh. Like going through those hard times, going through the process, there's a, listen, there was some clients at the beginning that I, I wish I would have done some things different with. But you know what? I learned from it. You know, I never put anyone's health at risk, but it's like, oh, why did I do that with them? Like, I know so much more now, but you don't know that until you fail and you go through that stuff. And I, I just think that's a big component of a lot of people's thinking nowadays, like not willing to give before receiving. And, and I think you have to do that. I could not agree more with you. So the reason y'all I reached out to David is because, you know, on this podcast, we talk very openly about mental health and Uh, body dysmorphia comes up a lot and you have your own journey with this. Uh, Apparently you've you've written a book about part of it with you. Yeah, it details everything. Oh my gosh. I can't (laughs) wait to get this book because it's not just women that deal with eating disorders. Um, I see it with my male clients. Their eating is just as disordered as any female that I work with. So can you tell us about 
like what led to your eating disorder? What time of your life was this? What was going on? Yeah. So I think it's important that, to understand most, most eating disorders, I mean, they're all classified under mental health. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, doesn't mean you're psychotic. It doesn't mean anything like that. It's just a mental health disorder. Um, it usually stems from something deeper rooted than just your body image or something like that. Now, is that a aspect of it? Of course it is. It's an aspect of it. But majority of people that I've talked to and that I've learned over the years through dealing with this, it's something that dates back a lot longer. For me, I actually found that it it dated back to um, issues that arose when I was a kid, Mm. like not with food or anything like that, but just with uh, my parents getting divorced. And then I lost a a really close friend. And then I had uh, really a bad relationship that went sour. Then I had this and this and this, and and things just started cascaded until eventually I got to the point where I was sent over the edge and how I dealt with it was controlling my eating, controlling my exercise. Um, I developed OCD. So that played a factor into my compulsions with exercise, with under eating, things like that. Um, And really it's, it's very control based. I, I started developing it. Well, I started developing it a little bit before the army, but it really, really hit ahead during the army. And part of that had to do with um, some unfortunate career uh, paths that happened to me in the army that I talk about in the book uh, that were kind of out of my control. <laughs> um, going into the army as a 24 year old male after I've already going through college, being out on my own, working a real job, and then having all that control taken away from me was another aspect that kind of, it messed with me a little bit. Now I loved, I loved the army. I loved being a soldier, but there were certain aspects that I was not healthy enough mentally to fully engage in and and to understand. And then a lot of it's fear-based control, and it's a way of you, um, it's just kind of a way of you taking back your life when you feel like something is out of control. Now for somebody else, it may not be a divorce or a relationship issue or this or that, but I can almost say with certainty that the vast majority of people don't develop eating disorders or exercise compulsion because of physique or because of this. It's probably because of something that you probably don't even realize. And that's, that's why I'm a big advocate for therapy. Um, I would not, I would not have, gotten through it. Um, and there, I, I got very brutally honest in this book. Um, it was kind of hard to write, I'll admit, but I thought I needed to, in order to really portray how deep this can get and how serious it is. I mean, I was in the ICU for a couple weeks that I nearly died. Like my, they flew my family up to base cause I wasn't supposed to make it through the night and then in and out of inpatient facilities for a few years, things like that you know, taking a few steps forward, then relapsing. And all along, it was like working with therapists little by little until it eventually just takes a hold of you and you get to the root cause of what it is that's actually bothering you. When I, when I, when it clicked for me and I was like, this is, this has nothing to do. I'm, I'm count, I'm doing counterproductive stuff to what I actually want to do for my health and all this stuff. Right. But you are not in the right mindset when you're going through that. And you have to work with somebody 
to get you into that mindset. You can't do it on your own. No. That doesn't make you weak. That doesn't make you um, a, a dumb person or whatever you want to think it makes you. It doesn't. When you're that far gone into a mental health illness, like an eating disorder, um, you don't have the ability to see clearly. You have to have that outside perspective. And I think the big thing, and this was what I think definitely held me back for a while was um, not admitting to myself that there was an issue, not admitting to myself or not wanting to face whatever I might find through therapy, right? Because there's some things that they told me that I was like, I pushed back on big time. Yeah. But the more I was able to kind of nourish my body and start thinking correctly, I'm like, you know what? They're, they're not attacking me. No. Like they're just, they're just pointing out things and it doesn't mean that it's all bad. It's just like, you have to be willing to accept that therapy if you want to move forward. And once you did that and realized um, the power that food and exercise has in our life in a positive way, um, it also has the power in a negative way to hurt ourselves, right? But once I decided, you know what, I'm going to use my experiences, I'm going to learn from this, I'm going to use the knowledge that I already know and the knowledge I'm going to gain. And I don't want to ever have anybody be in the position that I am now. I don't want anybody to feel like they have to go through that. And that's kind of what started my trajectory into the coaching realm. So powerful. I, I love that you said you're, a, you know, um, an advocate for therapy because me too. I People who listen to the podcast, they know what talk about therapy all the time, encouraging everyone to go. I love how you were saying, you know, it's not about the food. It's never about the food. No, I mean, you know, I, I think that's where people get confused because it, food does become a big focus, right? But it's, it's like cutting off the tree, the tree limb and not digging out the root, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, of course, food focus and exercise focus is going to grow from whatever your, your issue is, whatever your root cause is. But you're just going to be in this perpetual circle of, okay, maybe you get better for a little bit, but are you really better? And then something else happens that you don't have the coping mechanisms to handle, and then you retreat right back into that disordered eating or exercise compulsion and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I definitely feel like food is not the main issue for most people, for most people. Now, I have heard from people, they're like, oh, you know, I, when I was growing up, my mom or dad said I was fat or something like that. Or, you know, I eat something and they say, no, that's bad for you. And that developed. Well, I don't think that's really the, the cause. The cause is rejection mm. from your family or from whoever said that to you, right? They just happen to reject you eating something or doing this. So it always comes back down to a deeper, more rooted cause than just as simple as food or exercise. And, and that's my opinion. Um, I'm not a licensed therapist in all this or clinical therapist, but I think I've had enough therapy over the years and I've talked to enough people to Think that I'm on the right track with what I'm saying. So absolutely. So this brings up a really interesting um, crossroads. You know, when we are coaching people, sometimes we'll see red flags. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I'm always um, sensitive to okay, is this a coaching situation or is this a therapy situation? Does this person have a disordered eating, or do they need to speak to someone about their issues? What do you do when you run into that? How do you address it? And how do you know it's a, how do you know the difference between, okay, this is a coaching issue or this is a disordered eating thing? Yeah. And that's, uh, it can be difficult at times. Um, I think that having gone through, 
I can arguably say probably the worst of an eating disorder that you can go through. Um, I think I have a pretty good indication as far as what's a coaching issue and what's a mental health issue, right? Um, I, I think this is where talking to your clients really comes in handy because you can look at data, you can email, do all this stuff. You pick up on so much when you talk to your clients, when you learn to ask the right questions, when you learn to dig a little bit deeper. Um, obviously, if something happens for a week or two, I'm not going to go ahead and assume it's an eating disorder or anything like that. But you have to look at their history. You have to look at um, how they speak about themselves. I think that's a big thing too. If someone's constantly like, oh, I just can't do this. Like, I'm just so fat. Like, I can't like blah, 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 all this stuff. That could be a possible sign that something needs to be addressed. Now, I have had many clients where um, I've told them, listen, I'm not harping on you. I'm not trying to judge you. I think that this might be starting to occur. I highly suggest you go speak with a therapist and just kind of just get it out there. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's something, right? Um, I have had clients where I've told them like when their plan is up, like I'm not going to work with you anymore. Not because I don't want to, it's because I'm not the best person for you right now. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not they end up going to see a therapist, I don't know. Right. But like, I'm not just going to keep taking your money when I know it's not the best for you, right? And you gain that trust, you gain that experience with every client that you go through, seeing the different scenarios. But I really feel like not as many online coaches take advantage of Zoom calls and phone calls and really, really dig into getting to know someone's life, right? Like, are there certain stressors that are coming up? Are there relationship issues? Are there work stuff? Like, how have you seen their trends over the last month or two months or whatever? Um, and I like to always get to know my clients and, and know a little bit about their history, like growing up and everything, like what sort of things, how was food talked about in your home? How was exercise talked about in your home? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody that has lost a significant amount of weight and done it in a fairly unhealthy way. Um, that's always kind of a red flag of a possibility of it going down that road at some point. So I think it really just comes down to most things and it's communication and it's um, really, really listening to your client, not just like, all right, I'm going to ask you a question. You tell me something and I'm going to write it down. Like listen to them, listen to how they say something, listen to the tone. Um, and and I, I don't know, I guess it's just from my experience. I have a, a little bit more in depth of a perception on people. I mean, listen, am I always right? No, I'm not always right. Um, people have gotten mad at me for suggesting like, you know, maybe you need to look into this. Um, but I hope those people that are no longer with me as clients, I hope that they have found, you know, if they can, they can be pissed off at me all they want. Right. But if it drives them to go get help, I'm fine with being the bad guy. Like I'm absolutely fine. Right. But you know, just knowing my own thought process during that time, knowing what I did habitually with food, with exercise. Um, it's just a sense, I guess I have. Mm-hmm. Well, and you said the P word, it's the perception of the food, the perception of the exercise. And we are going to talk in just a minute about reverse dieting, but I, this is where I get the most red flags 
because mm-hmm. we'll, I'll get clients. And if you sign up with me, you know, the reverse dieting is something that you're going to do like after your fat loss phase, or maybe we got to get your metabolism in a good spot so you can have a fat loss phase. Um, so they'll understand the science behind it and they understand how it works, but that resistance still pops up. And so, you know, we'll get on the phone and I'm like, oh, you still haven't been hitting your carbs and you know, we're going to have to do this. And this actually just came up recently. And she's like, I still feel that guilt and shame around eating more food. And so to me, that was a huge red flag. And I was like, oh, I see what's going on now. Okay. So I think that the reverse diet process is a great way to gauge your relationship with food. What do yeah. You- and, and listen, it's never going to be easy when you want to lose weight and someone tells you you got to eat. Like, I I don't, I don't try to tell clients and pretend like this is going to be a piece of cake for you mentally, but here's what I try to tell them. First of all, I show them the equation. I show them the Mueller equation of where their predicted maintenance calories should be, how far off they are. Most of the time they're way under their BMR even. So I, I hit them with analytical data. Yeah. First. Okay. So that they know I'm not just some guy here telling them like, Hey, you're not eating enough. Right. Like I, I try to buy into their trust by showing them the data first Yep. from there. I'm honest with them. And I'm just telling them, listen, there are going to be uncomfortable times. This is not going to be a two or three month thing. Um, the goal is to not pack on a bunch of weight, but there may be some weight fluctuation and explain to them, not all weight gain means fat. Right. right? So explain to them, water weight, lean body mass gain, you know, things like that. Um, And then, you know, I also lay out different goals to focus on. So everybody is always so physique focused. I'm like, you know what, listen, right now where you're at, you're not healthy enough to drop the body fat you want to. So why does it make sense to stay here doing what you've been doing? Why don't we do this route in a very controlled, methodical way And let's refocus your goals instead of a six pack, let's focus it on increasing your PRs, increasing muscle mass, right? Having fun in the gym again, having fun going out on dates with your spouse or your boyfriend and girlfriend or parties and stuff. Let's learn tools that are going to help you sustain this sort of flexible dieting lifestyle later on when it's time to drop the body fat. Because if we do this the right way now, you won't need to do this, this drastic again in the future, right? You, you have two choices. You, you can stay here in this perpetual circle that you've been in, right? Or you can just take the time now, sacrifice. This is a phrase I like to use. Right? Don't sacrifice what you want now for what you want long-term, right? Yep. If it takes six months, seven months, whatever, to reverse diet, isn't that kind of worth it if you're going to get a lifetime of sustainability afterwards, you finally get down that weight you want to get down. And I try to explain to them, um, you know, what we would consider a very slow conservative reverse diet is about 0.25% total body weight increase per week, or about 1% a month. And when I when I lay that out for them, it, it tends to not make things as scary. And I tell them, we don't have to increase calories every week. Like if you start gaining a little bit more than what we're comfortable with. We slow down, we hold you steady. There is no rush. And that's why I give a time frame for the reverse because I don't want someone to get landlocked into, okay, six months are up. I'm not where I need to be. I failed. I quit. I'm going to, no. So I'm just really honest with the process up front and try to walk them through 
things that they might experience, uh, th some things that they can, you know, predict and experience, um, some different goals to focus on. And, you know, and just be honest, because it, it's not a fun process for some people, and it's never going to be, but you don't have to be 100% okay with it. But you, I think you need to understand the necessity of it. And when you start putting health first, then your physique will follow. So it's so true. Um, I, I love what you were saying, like, you can stay here in this perpetual cycle and do this over and over and over again. I call it, you know, banging your head against a wall, or mm -hmm. take the time now, you know, and I am very hesitant to share this information with people, but I share it because I went through it. And the first reverse diet I did with Lane was over a year long. Oh yeah. Yeah. I needed that time. And PS everyone, I didn't gain any weight in that time frame. I mean, yeah. I did like to the tune of three to four pounds. Yeah. And when done properly, like, listen, there, people are going to respond a little different, but there is a, a smart methodical way to go about it. The people, yep. the people that bad mouth reverse dieting are the ones that try to go on it, go at it on their own. Mm -hmm. And they, they add a hundred calories every week. Yeah. And it's like, you got to understand. And, and this is where I think there needs to be more education about the human body in general, like, especially in school, but for the people to take the own, their own time to do the research and to understand how the metabolism works. Like mm -hmm. the one thing that I think we should know the most about is our body. We know so much about technology and engineering and blah, blah, blah. I guarantee you, most people cannot tell you where your kidneys are, or where your spleen is or where any, like, this is our vessel. Yeah. <laughs> we get one of it. Mm -hmm. We need to know how to keep it running like a Ferrari mm -hmm. instead of like an old burned out Honda, 1988 Honda, right? Yeah. And you just think that too many people don't take enough time or don't place enough importance on understanding their body. And if they did, I think a lot of these issues that people have with the yo-yo dieting and, you know, doing things so drastically, I think that would diminish because you understand that food is not your enemy. Food is your fuel. It's your friend. Food is also entertainment. It's also companionship. Like there are many different things. You don't have to fear going out and eating with somebody. All right. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things I tell people is with flexible dieting, nothing is off limits. However, you just might not be able to eat as much of it as you want. Yep. Right. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's why it's sustainable. That's why I don't do meal plans. That's why, you know, I think for a select people, I think meal plans are fine, but I don't feel like that's necessary for the majority of people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that you learn what works for your body. You learn how to handle situations. You learn how to handle when weight spikes one day, not to freak out and to get right back on track because you understand factors like sodium, water, how that manipulates your body weight, how hard training and inflammation can manipulate your body weight, how women on their menstrual cycle, it can manipulate their body weight lack of sleep. There are just off the top of my head, there's 10 different reasons that have nothing to do with calories right? that affect your weight, mm -hmm. but you have to be willing to, un to research that and understand it and learn it or else you're just going to be thinking, okay, I'm just going to go down to 500 calories and I'm going to lose all this weight and that's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Think about after. Right. And you sustain that after. Well, and I also have found people who have, um, negative reactions 
to a reverse diet, they also were not weighing themselves consistently. So if you had been weighing yourself consistently, you can get ahead of this. That's where the control comes in. In addition to the controlled addition of carbs and fats, if you're monitoring your weight on a daily basis, you get your weekly average. And if, like you said, if it went up higher than we feel comfortable with, we can hold you there. So you right. have to like pay attention to that. Yeah. And, and that's a real eye opener I see for clients when they start working with me that haven't been in that habit of weighing themselves daily. Mm -hmm. They weigh themselves one day a week. And to be honest, usually people weigh themselves on Sunday or Monday morning. And what happened? You, you just came off of a weekend where you probably went out drinking. You probably went out eating some things you, you normally don't eat, mm -hmm. right? Because everybody's disciplined Monday through Friday, right? Yep. But you're taking your weight at the worst time. That's not a reflection of how the other six days went. No. So let's, let's get to a more logical mm -hmm. place, right? Let's understand why weight fluctuates. Let's understand that you know, one bad day is not the end all be all. Um, one bad day has never killed anybody, right? It's when it turns into two or three or four or five or six bad days mm -hmm. because you're stressing about it because you don't understand how your body works. Mm -hmm. And that's why we really talk a lot like in our content and stuff about metabolism, about, you know, factors that affect weight gain or weight loss, um, the importance of sleep, the importance of hydration, sodium, so on and so forth because it's all more about, it's more than just about calories. You know, I think people get on this kick when we talk about calories in versus calories out, right? But there's a deeper, there's something deeper that we're talking about there. Your calories in are also gonna affect your calories out. Mm -hmm. When you, I mean, for example, you know, if, if you're eating more food, you tend to have, you feel more energized, right? Like you, you just naturally do things like here, I know we're not on video, but I, I move my hands a lot, right? Yeah. I have a lot of need. I'm, I'm a very active person. Uh -huh. Well, what happens if anybody's been through a prep or a dieting phase? What happens when you get low in calories? You barely want to blink, yep. right? You just, you lay on the couch, you want to save all your energy just for your training and that's it. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so much more energy expenditure that happens. So when you eat more, you tend to burn more. Mm -hmm. When you eat less, you tend to not want to move as much and burn less. So all these factors, I think, are very, very important for people to remember, not only during a reverse dieting phase, but during a fat loss phase, during anything, because knowing your body should be, I hate to say this, the biggest priority in your life, but honestly, in a way, it should be. Like, you should know as much about your body as you possibly, possibly can. Absolutely. And you should want to. <laughs> yeah, because I am always encouraging people to take ownership and so if you're going to own your health and your wellness, you need to understand what foods make me feel good. What foods don't make me feel great. Um, you know, yes. How do I respond? Where are my kidneys? <laughs> how does my metabolism work? <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's no good food or bad food. There's just food. Now, the only bad food is a food that doesn't digest well for you. Mm -hmm. Causes you irritation, constipation, diarrhea, something like that. Right now, there's certain foods that don't necessarily feel the best when I eat them, but I still eat them sometimes and I just put up with it. Right. Yeah. But if you know, something is like, it causes you stomach pain or it causes you this or that, and you keep eating it. I, I why, why, why would you do that? That is a bad food, but to say pizza is a bad food or French fries are a bad food or ice cream, a bad food. You are starting this pattern of disordered, disordered eating. And you know what it stems back to? Not the food. 
it's you placing restriction on something which was probably restrict which was probably placed on you earlier in your life somehow so so true so while we did talk about reverse dieting here for just a second let's back up um a little bit and explain to anyone who doesn't know what it is what exactly reverse dieting is so how would you explain reverse dieting to someone who doesn't know anything about it yeah um i guess the best way to describe it would be um Okay, so here, here's the way. I actually have a video on my YouTube channel about this. This is one of my favorite examples to use. So think of your metabolism like a campfire. Okay, anybody that's been camping, you know when you wake up in the morning, the fire is burnt out, it's barely smoking, all the wood is burnt up, right? That's your metabolism when you've adapted to low calories. Oh. What happens when you start putting a log one at a time back on the fire? The flame starts burning hotter, right? Same, same concept when you start adding calories slowly back into your diet, your metabolism has a, a reason to get hot again. Uh-huh. So what happens is when you're, on, when you're yo-yo dieting or you've severely restricted calories for a long time, your body is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And that is to lower your metabolic rate because regardless if we want to burn fat or build muscle, our body wants to do one thing and that is to keep us alive. Yep. That's it. That's why sometimes it's really frustrating and stubborn when we can't grow muscle as fast as we want or burn fat as much as we want. The the body doesn't care, guys. It it really doesn't. (laughs) Now, we obviously have some bio, like some things that we can do and things like that, but only if you're healthy. So if your metabolic rate is not in a good place, hormones are thrown off, you know, leptin and ghrelin, which are your hunger hormones, controls your your satiety and your hunger. Um, Other blood markers are thrown off you are working with a burnt out campfire, right? But here's why you have to reverse diet slow, meaning you have to increase calories slowly and why it takes a while, because let's use that campfire example again. If it's barely smoking in the morning, but I come over and I got this big old pile of wood in my hands and I just toss it onto the fire, what's gonna happen? Absolutely nothing. It's gonna smother that fire. It's not gonna have a chance for those flames to get hot. You have to go methodical. You have to go one log at a time. You have to listen to when your body indicates it's ready for an increase, not when you want to give it an increase. And I think that's, I think we kind of spoke on that earlier where people fall into a trap where they start gaining weight too quickly. And then they're like, oh, reverse dieting doesn't work and blah, 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 all this stuff. No, there has to be some patience with it. And you have to understand that this is not a two or three month process. Honestly, for most people, what I see, and, and there's some exceptions. I see somewhere between six months and a year for most people with reverse diets. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on how long you've been adapted, mm-hmm. right? How low you've been, how many years of yo-yo dieting you've had. Um, and also how comfortable are you with the rate of weight gain afterwards? Because some people honestly need to reverse diet quicker um, yes. for health purposes. Yes. Someone coming out of a prep that had a very, very difficult prep that are like, you know, preps are tough in general, but health markers are way off. They may need to jump up quicker just to get their health back in order and then go a little bit slower. Somebody else who maybe didn't prep or things like that, who are just kind of on the brink and the border there, they may be able to go a little bit slower with the increase. So it's all very individualized. And this is where having a coach that can walk you through it and help explain to you what's going on in your body, the process that's going on can be very, very helpful um, 
because you're, you're going to get frustrated if you try to do this on your own. Now, there's great resources out there to help. There's great um, Instagram accounts, social media accounts, YouTube channels, uh, you know, printed content, stuff like that. Um, but we as humans have this awesome ability to make ourselves believe whatever we want. Yes, we do. Good or bad, <laughs> good or bad. We have this awesome ability. Um, unfortunately, when we get into uncomfortable times, we make ourselves believe the bad. And I just feel like the ones that go through, because I've had plenty of people that have tried to do it on their own and they get like three months into it and they're like, I'm up 15 pounds. I can't do this on my own. I don't want to say at that point, like it's not lost. It's good to come and get help whenever you can, but you are a little bit behind the eight ball at that point. So you might have to go a little bit slower and there's some different strategies and stuff, but reverse dieting is essentially a way to increase your metabolic rate to a healthy level where you should be. Yep. Well, and so, you know, I said my first reverse diet, which started in uh, 2016, lasted a very long time, but my last reverse diet was like that. Right. Because you took- I was able to go into a, you know, 10 week fat loss phase with a diet break included. So I was able to jump back up to maintenance very quickly, very aggressively, yeah. no weight gain. So I think that first one, I always tell clients, it's this first one that's really hard mentally, but then after that, it's like not that big of a deal. And, you know, I find that kind of the opposite way too, for some people, some people that first fat loss phase is very tough. Mm. And then like, once they go through it, then they reverse properly. Uh-huh. Then fat loss phases tend to be a little bit more efficient. After oh, hundred percent. Yes. You want to have a good fat loss phase, do the work of your reverse diet. Yeah. We, we can't always be in a deficit. Like yes. it, it's, I'm big on analogies, but I, you know, it, it's, it's like trying to drive from New York to LA with a half a tank of gas and thinking you're going to get there. Like you're not going to get there. Our bodies, you're punishing your body. You're punishing like, your body. If you want to make serious change, which most people that are in physique sports, they, they want to improve, right? Yeah. Um, you're not going to do that if you're constantly undernourishing your body. And this comes back to this fear of food or fear of um, eating or something. And that's a deep-rooted cause back to something else earlier in your life, whether someone called you fat, someone rejected you, someone did this or that, right? Yep. Um, it's, it's developing these food fears. And those are the ones that I find are the most resistant to reverse dieting mm-hmm. uh, and the ones that probably need to be working in conjunction with a therapist and mm-hmm. me or you or somebody. I've got, I've got a few clients right now that we're working in conjunction with a therapist and the nutrition aspect. Same. And they're, they're doing so much better. <laughs> so yep. much better. Yes. Um, so I guess the takeaway is don't undernourish yourself. And if you need to go speak with a therapist, don't be ashamed. Absolutely. I was a, in, I talk about the embarrassment in the book and everything too. I was a military soldier. I was a soldier in the army, male that developed an eating disorder. You can't be more embarrassed than I was, right? I'm not anymore, but like right. at the time, right. like, guys, just put that in perspective. Yeah. Okay. 
So whatever's going on in your life, whoever you are, whatever you think people might think of you, listen, this was back in 2010, 2011. Uh, we're 10 years later now. It's more mainstreamed. It's more resources available. Still not enough resources, but more resources available. Do not let yourself get into the position that if you read my book, you'll find that I got into. Go be proactive now because this is something that is not going to go away on its own. No. Not. You can be the strongest person in the world. You can have the most discipline in this area, this area, that area, whatever. This will, this will conquer you unless you are willing to address the issue, get help, and let someone who knows what they're doing, knows how to help you with it, do their job. Yes, I have a friend who works at um, the Eating Recovery Center here in Denver, mm. and um, people are on life support. It is, a story, yeah. and I'm sure that your story is probably something similar to what she has seen, probably. Probably. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, no. I want to touch on something you just said about reverse dieting, like, you know, trying to go from New York to wherever on half a tank of gas, you're punishing your body and you are punishing your body. That's just doing its job right? by simply trying to keep you alive. So your body's doing the best he or she can, and you're over there giving it breadcrumbs. It's not okay. We ask so much of our body on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. right? Think of you, think if you asked... (laughs) Think if you ask so much of a, of a friend or a family member on a daily basis, but then you abused them at night. How long do you think they're going to keep working for you? Yeah. They're not going to want to keep doing things for you anymore. And the body is the same way. Your body will shut down. Your body will go into hibernation mode for lack of a better term. Like it's not going to want to do anything for you. It's, it's not going to want to listen to you. You want to lose fat? Too bad. You've been abusing me. Yep. You want to build muscle? Too bad you're not feeding me enough. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Oh my god. It's a simple. It's a simple concept. I'm not saying it's really like easy to, to go through. Like you're going to have some difficulties, mm-hmm. but try to just not overthink things. Break things down into a very simple, you know, very simple level, and go from there. Yes. Well, and like you said, yes, in theory it is simple. It's not hard to execute. Yes, it is hard in terms of mentally, maybe seeing your body go from super shredded to looking like a normal person, or maybe you do gain some weight, but it's that short term, like you said, sacrificing in the short term so that you get what you ultimately want in the long term. It is worth it. It is. Um, And you're going to learn a lot about yourself and your body and your strengths and your weaknesses and things that drive you and things that hold you back things that are invaluable that are going to go way beyond whatever sort of physique transformation you're trying to go through. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of things that I've learned through different phases with my body and nutrition and stuff are lessons that I've carried over into business, into school, into relationships. And you might, you might be listening to this thinking, Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> try, try learning. When you learn how to stay disciplined during dieting or disciplined during reverse dieting, when you learn, okay, this right here is a trigger for me. I need to stay away from it. I need to develop skills to stay away from it. That stuff translates into everything else. That discipline bleeds over into every aspect of your life mm-hmm. um, without you knowing. And that's, that's where I said earlier, the, the point, the process is the point. You know, the end outcome is great. If you want to get shredded and step on stage, that's great. But you know what? 
talk to any competitor, they feel like shit when they're up there on stage. Mm -hmm. And all they're doing the last few weeks is looking forward to entering a reverse diet yeah. and getting out of it. And okay, say, say you win the show. Wonderful. That's great. That enjoyment's going to last a day, two mm -hmm. days, whatever, right? The things you learn about the dis about your discipline, about your drive, about your strengths, your weaknesses, that's going to last you a lifetime. Yep. So I agree. I the process is the point. Yep. I say that too. I say the process is the goal. That's so funny. We're, we're in such alignment. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This but. is so valuable. Um, so of course I follow you in all the places like YouTube and Instagram, and now I'm going to go get your book, but can you tell everyone where they can find you? Uh, yeah, on, I'm biggest on Instagram, um, at Mathis fitness, M A T H A S fitness. Um, and then have a YouTube channel. It's just my name, David Mathis. I started a new podcast recently. I have been slacking on it because there's some big life changes happening right now. And I've, but um, it's called the David Mathis podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, and then uh, the book. Um, you can go on Amazon. It's on Amazon. It's in paperback or ebook form, um, or go to a shell of myself.com and it'll take you right there. So, oh, I cannot wait. Thanks for sharing your story with us and all of your great analogies. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I, I do too many analogies, but I no. It's easier no. for people to understand, I think. It's so. totally easier for people to understand. I think it was wonderful. And you guys, take-home point. I mean, there were so many take-home points, but really, I think one of the best ones was cannot always be in a deficit, a caloric deficit. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I want to thank you so much for having me on. This is great. Not only to talk, but just to catch up with you. I mean, it's been a few years. I mean, we've been following each other back and forth and keeping dibs on each other, but to actually, you know, get to sit down and talk to you and stuff, it's, it's great to see you again. So yeah, thank you so much. Well, we will talk to you soon, my friends. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode of Here's the Deal. If you enjoyed this show, please share it out to your friends so we can empower as many people as possible to take control of their lives so they feel their best and they look their best. You can always connect with me on Instagram. My handle is Kylie Fit Yoga. And if you want to learn more about the eight-week program that I have, Lift to Get Lean, check out Lift to Get Lean with Kylie.com and that is the program where me and my team of coaches help people learn how to track their macros, understand the importance of macronutrient tracking. We give you strength training workouts and the biggest piece of the program is the mindset coaching of it. As you know, nothing changes if you don't change your thoughts. So I look forward to connecting with you in any and all ways. Again, we appreciate your support.